Before we start today's show, I want to thank all of you for rolling with us throughout our coverage of True Detective Night Country. One of the great things about our podcast, in my opinion, is that no matter how good or bad a season of TV ends up being, the fun we have with this community of people who tune in with us every week makes it well worth the ride. Now that we are all exiting the Night Country, next up we'll be covering the first season of Shogun on Hulu and FX, and we'd love it if you joined us for that one as well. This show is presented by Bolin Media, my little company out of Austin, Texas, and aside from Oysters, Clams, and Cockles, we have a great F1 show for the F1 fans out there called Formula Bone, and my comedy show, the Ross Bolin Podcast as well, so check those out wherever you get your Oysters, Clams, and Cockles. And as always, our show is only possible because of our sponsors, so please support our sponsors using the dedicated URLs and codes available in the episode description. Thank you. Now, enjoy. For another helping of oysters, clams, and corpsicles presented by Bolin Media, I am Ross Bolin here with Barrett Dudley. Today we are going to discuss part six, the season finale of True Detective Night Country on HBO, and I might have to officially retire from theorizing, Barrett. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, mo- it's a tough week for you. It's a tough look. It was. Yeah, I felt bad as I was watching. I was all in. And I think that that what I would say to you is that if you theorize one more time, I'm going to shoot your motherfucking mouth off of your fucking face. Your sick face. Your, off of your sick face. I'm going to shoot it off. <laughs> I'm going to shoot your mouth off, Ross. Well, that's enough yeah. incentive for me to so retire. Don't, yeah, so no more, no more theorizing for you. Don't you dare theorize because I, I, I will shoot your mouth off of your sick face. I need my mouth yeah, you need to, to do pop, my job. To do your job. So, right. Yeah. Um, no. Uh, yeah, I was, I'm not going to lie. I was bumped. Dude, I was, right? I, I really it's a big letdown. It was a big letdown. I you, I thought I thought you had it worked. Um, I really thought I was onto something, man. You re- and I and I thought you were too. I thought this. I I thought your Rose Aganow theory carried a lot uh, a lot more water than your little princess theory did um, back in, in in Succession. So did I. <laughs> oh for two. And uh, you know when it came down to it, there was one point that people kept making um, about how Rose Aganow had seen a ghost in the pilot. Basically, in the in part Travis one, Cole. Travis yeah. Cole, yeah, and that it would not make any sense for a ghost to have been seeing a ghost, right? And we kind of worked, we kind of worked our way through that last week, but it was the biggest point. It was the biggest, like, the factor in the box of like she's real, yeah, and it ended up coming through. That one, that was that was the one that ended up coming through. I was like, what? Ghosts can't hang out with other ghosts? What's the big deal? And like, It was so easy for me to work around in my brain, but yeah, when it came down to it, Rose Aginon not being a ghost was devastating to my personal pride, and frankly, like, in the course of the episode, right, like, I mean, we you, we can get into you and I's personal thoughts on the yeah. finale as we, as we discuss the happenings, but uh, it was a real low point for me, the scene where she's in there, like, loading her gun. And Peter Pryor is showing up right. to and her house. Like, Here we go. Here and I, we go. I was like, "Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna be wrong." 
that it was it was tough to yeah tough to recover from emotionally. Um, but yeah, let's dive in. Well, I I don't want to bury the lead today. You've been you've been kind of writing for this show a little I bit have a little bit more than most, and and I just want your uh, just give me like a brief synopsis of your overall feelings for this final episode. Did it wrap it up in a satisfying way for you? No, okay. not really. I mean, yeah. I I obviously tried to stay positive. Uh-huh. Uh, I thought I thought part five was the high point yeah. of the season and that they had kind of put themselves in a position where they could have closed it in a really interesting and cool way. Yeah. I don't necessarily think they put the pieces together in a way that I could consider good. Uh, I it th- was it was it was definitely a letdown for me. I'll put it that yeah. way. Yeah. We'll we'll get to to the specific instances and points that that we want to call out, but I'll also just say that it, this episode had like maybe two or th- Two or three spots that I thought were were okay, were 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 decent, you know, scenes of television. Yeah, and the rest I thought was a complete whiff. It it was. Yeah. I mean, that's a good way of putting it. A swing and a miss. Yeah, it was like, I see how on paper, and in the script, <laughs> they could have convinced themselves like, all right, we this is the ending. Yeah. We've got this. But the way it unfolded on screen, brother, <laughs> there were some problems, and there were a, there was there were I would say three or four moments. One early on in the episode, and I'll point these out as we get yeah. to them, but where I realized, oh no, this yeah. is bad. Yeah. Like it's, this is not going to end the way I hoped it had, uh, or I hoped it would. And, uh, and I was, and I was sad. Yeah. I was sad. Yep. And then a little bit mad. I'm, <laughs> I'm going through the phases right now, you know? Uh, denial, anger. Mm hmm. That's where I'm at right now, anger. Anger. Yeah. You'll hear some of it. Let's dive into this thing. So part six opens with Navarro hacking into the ice. And then her and Danvers going down into this, the incredibly dangerous ice caves that even a heroin addict warned them against traversing. Just that opening alone, I was like, there's a freaking blizzard. Crazy conditions outside. Mm-hmm. And they're out here in the middle of nowhere, night country, pitch black. Just them two. Nobody else is aware that they're there except for, I guess, Peter Pryor. Mm-hmm. And they're going to hack into the ground in a small hole and then just go and see how it happens, like see what unfolds. Yeah, the ver- the, one of the very first things that Lara said is, well, how are they going to find their way back? It, 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 we kept, like, they're not dropping, they're not leaving Hansel and Gretling with like some breadcrumbs. Like they, they, they are not marking their, they, they're not like dropping flares down. Like they're literally doing nothing to mark their way. Seemed like a suicide mission. As they go. Yeah. Um, and I would just say right up top, the, the the whole season kind of had this going for it, but especially this episode, and at least I guess it sort of pays off in in a way later in the episode. But like, nobody is dressed warm enough for this climate. <laughs> it's like they're We're just dealing used with to a it. massive blizzard in sub zero temperatures. People going down into ice caves. Where's your just, face mask? They're wearing like a parka. Where's just your, one parka? You gotta cover the face. Yes, this simple hoodie does not get the job no. done. Like everybody should be in like balaclavas, like. You know, like unbelievable. Like, I, I don't know. I just I'm not seeing enough layering. The jackets just it's seem concerning. like regular ass parkas. Like I need like some massive Canada Goose type shit. I don't know. Well, you're, I, you're ski people. You know yeah, you, yeah. what it's like out there. You get the wind burn. Um, and then I look, this show was not cheap. I, I I know that they shot most of it in Ireland as uh, in Iceland as opposed to Alaska. But uh, right off the cuff, it took me out of it a little bit because I didn't think the ice tunnel was very realistic looking. It was beautiful. It just it, it looked very like, pretty in it there. It looked like shiny plastic to me. I mean, I thought they went for like like the it's ethereal. Like, this is like sci-fi. Yeah, Sci- yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, visually, it's one thing I will give the finale. 
it it what because it did look expensive. It was kind of visually stunning, and uh, it had that going for it. Yeah, I don't know something about the way that these tunnels looked uh, from the jump. Just kind of took me out of it because I was like, that looks like a set. Yeah, and nothing else in this series, so nothing else in this season so far has looked like that. Yeah, to me, I to just me. kept thinking they're, they're both going to die. Yeah. This is a this is. You'd get lost and freeze to death in there. Anyways, go on. Well, then Navarro starts saying cheesy shit like, she's calling, and it's here. Do you feel it? And I didn't think these, like, you know, Navarro's supposed to be having, like, this spiritual experience mm-hmm. that's guiding her toward justice. And I guess it worked, but it also yeah. didn't feel very real to me. I was just mm-hmm. like, oh, come. I couldn't buy into the Navarro, she's calling, and it's here. Do you feel it? And Danvers is like, please stop. <laughs> And it's supposed to mirror, like, Rust and Marty in season mm-hmm. one, but I don't think that yeah. it really worked out. I mean— Well, so is, isn't—one of the things that I feel like I was—and the, the, they, 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 this happens throughout their experience at Salal as well, but, like, Danvers has some connection, or everybody here feels something— and didn't you get the sense that Danvers was able to hear whatever it was, the little rustling voices or, or whatever? I think so, yeah. And she's just kind of like shoving it down and ignoring it. And that's why she's telling Navarro to shut up about it. Because like, yeah. She, she doesn't can, want to acknowledge right. it. Right. But like at, once we get to Salal, like she's seeing shit. She's seeing the hubcab fly down the hallway. Like there, there, some, there's a presence here that 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 I don't know if it's just like like the like the vending machine guy said at the beginning of the season that everybody in Ennis, like we all see people. That's just what happens out here in Ennis. Yeah. Or if Danvers also has like some tor- sort of connection that she's just kind of like denying to the to the spirit realm, but but yeah, um, your miles may vary on on how this right off the, the the jump, how how the whispering and the calling made you feel. I took it as almost like everybody has everyone living, mm-hmm. you know, has some connection to the yeah. spirituality of humanity. If you if you tap into it, right, right, like right. Navarro's. More tapped into tapped it than in, Danvers, yeah, yeah. kind of, yeah. Uh, Navarro falls through the ice and uh, is perfectly fine. I was like, what the, mm-hmm. no. She's like, did you did you break anything? It's <laughs> like, yeah, probably. She's like, no, nah, I'm good. Dusts herself off. And then, of course, Danvers falls through the ice. Yeah. Well, first she was like, I'm going to go try to get help. I was like, where? <laughs> where are you going to go? What do you mean you're going to bring another cop? It's, you can't even get out of here. There's yeah. a storm outside. God knows if you can even find the exit. Anyway, it doesn't matter because she falls through the ice. They immediately run into Raymond Clark, who's just like creepily down there. He looked like Kyle Mooney from S- <laughs> from uh, SNL. When they when they do that cut and he's just standing there with that wide-eyed, yeah. that wide-eyed look on his face, it... it <laughs> Like I, I almost gave me like I almost laughed because he looked like a like Kyle Mooney from SNL just standing there with this dumbass look on his face. He's just tunnel people, you know. He just <laughs> he's just down there working the tunnels. Yeah. Uh, and then of course they discover the room where Annie Kay was killed, mm-hmm. and of course there is a spiral on the ceiling. Why? Well, that's the that's the whale bones that formed the spiral. That's a, that's a skeleton. Okay. I'm, Almost positive that that's already been identified earlier as a way as, as somebody. Yeah, the see, science teacher said that. It's like that looks like a whale bone. So that is a fossilized whale whale in the shape of a spiral that ended. Yeah, great, great. Right up, and 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 they just they tunnel their way under it, right above it, and they create you know a Sistine Chapel like ceiling out of it, essentially to to do their work. I uh-huh. guess maybe there's like. Maybe that's where they're pulling the cores from. Is like something about the microorganism is with with the whale. I don't know. 
I don't know either. Yeah. I don't know either. But they find the murder weapon Annie Kay was uh, killed with almost immediately. Mm-hmm. This star-shaped screwdriver yeah, or I something. Think it, I think it's for coring, you know? You, for, yeah. you stick it in the ice. <laughs> she was stabbed with, and uh, then they climb up a really long ladder, and, and they pop up in the Salal Research Station, because time is a flat circle, and this thing is coming full circle and ending where it began, Barrett. Yeah. It's very full circle. Full circle moment. Yeah. Uh, this was... Not a big reveal to me. Like, they, they like, panned out and show you, like, the Salal sign. They're like, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I was like, nobody at any point was like, wow, you know what? These ice caves, Salal's right there. It's not that far off. Maybe there could be some kind of a connection. Like, I, I just, I felt like they thought that was a huge payoff moment. And I kind of always kind of wondered, like, geographically, how, where are we going? How far is it from Salal? Well, I think it's a payoff. I do think it's a bit of a payoff that, like, that oh, Night Country is literally connected to Salal, basically. Yeah, you know, sure. Like you go down into the caves. Well, same. You can go right down into them from Salal as well. I did think to, but to to speak to what you're saying, the pullout shot was like something like from the Bates Motel or some shit. Yeah, that, that was a very and and this episode has wild swings in tone. It really which did. Was one of the things that I thought was a miss about it. And again, here we are. Like this, th- this was a horror shot. This is a horror movie shot. They pull back, and there's the big evil lair slash hotel slash whatever it is that your snow is swirling. That your you know the shining hotel or whatever it is, and like and and yeah, that the Salal sign is right there in front, and it's like it might as well ha- have had like a swinging, swinging on the hinges, like a swinging sign on it that was like <laughs> beware all all who enter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like so that that was a, I that it was a weird shot to do the pullback after the reveal. The word I would use again is is cheesy, yeah. and it, it kind of applies throughout the course of the episode. They had these very cheesy moments that. I think we're supposed to hit harder than they mm-hmm. actually did, and uh, that was a, a bit disappointing. Salal is still bumping Twist and Shout at an obscene volume. Really, so you're, uh, really, again, like big deja vu moments in here. Uh, you know, the, we'll, I'm sure we'll get to a longer discussion about the whole ghosts and magic of of the season. But like, what what am I supposed to take from from the 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 fact that somehow Ferris Bueller is on a loop again? In the exact same scene, like is that just the are the ghosts just playing? Are they just trolling, or is that Raymond Clark going and putting it back on? I took it or... as like Raymond Clark must really like this movie. <laughs> well, why is it in the their DVD is broken? Doesn't Danvers rip it out of the wall the first time? I think she just figures a way to turn it off the first time. Regard like I, she just finds the remote. What or it looks something? like she does here is unplug it when yeah, she pulls it out. Right. So like he could have just plugged it back in and fired it back up i don't know that's kind of what i'm saying it's too many things without a real reason behind them just for the sake of being spooky exactly is just is that's not good enough it's just it's not good enough if you want to make a great tv show anyway so and by the way what 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 like just as far as song choices go Mm -hmm. twist and shout is that just because it's sort of spirally you and i thought we would get a spiral we thought we would get like a hard explanation for the song, right? And why Danvers, when she shows up at Salal in episode mm-hmm. one, is so put off by the song and like wants to get it turned off immediately. We thought we would see like in the car crash scene with her husband and son that maybe Twist and Shout was playing or something. We think Wheeler's whistling it, but why is he whistling he Twist w- and he Shout? He was 100% whistling it. And I mean, that's where it's another example of like, it's creepy. Yeah. For sure. It plays well, but without explanation, without substance to it, mm-hmm. it's just creepy. Right. 
Like it's not cool. Yeah. You know, it just it kind of takes away from the there's there's a lack of depth mm-hmm. to what happened there. So, uh, meanwhile, we flash to Peter Pryor who's cleaning up the bodies of his father and Otis Heiss, and then uh, after searching around Salal for Raymond Clark, Danvers gets locked in a room by him because he just sneaks up on her and is like, ha ha, I got you, traps her in there. Yeah. And then he bashes Navarro over the head with a fire hydrant. And at this point in the episode, I was like, okay, good. Momentum partially regained here. Mm-hmm. Raymond Clark might be a total psycho. Mm-hmm. Danvers is struggling to break out of that room. And you think there's a real chance like Navarro might be seriously injured yeah, or yeah, dead yeah, by that, the time that, she gets to that her. looked like a, a heavy blow. But... Danvers gets out and finds Navarro beating the shit out of Raymond Clark with her fists. So she was able to regain consciousness, physically overpower him, and then start whooping his ass. So they torture him for a while by forcing him to listen to Annie Kay screaming and being murdered by duct taping earphones into his ears. And uh, Navarro says, it's on a loop, motherfucker. And I was just like, ugh. Yeah. Then they go have coffee. And... Peter Pryor. And Funyuns. And Funyuns, yes. Coffee nice and, callback there. Coffee and there. Funyuns. Really cool callback. And Peter Pryor is visited by uh, Leah Danvers as he's finishing up his cleaning. She kind of surprises him, right? Because her mom told her, like, why don't you come mm-hmm. over on New Year's Eve? This is New Year's Eve. So he takes her over to his house that he's been kicked out of so that his wife and kid don't have to spend New Year's alone. And when he drops Leah off, you'll notice I'm not calling her Julia, his <laughs> wife comes out. And basically demands he tell her what's happening. Like she's like, I can tell something is up. Yeah. Leah can tell something is up. And they have this bizarre conversation that somehow ends with her kissing him and seemingly taking him back. Yeah. What the fuck was that? Bizarre 180. What the biz- fuck? I, I, I try not to use this term because I think it gets thrown around too often, but like... We, when we watch TV, the, the, the word earned often comes up. Earned yes. versus unearned. Yes. And this made no narrative sense. No, it didn't. He doesn't even tell her what he did. Is she just is she just naturally intuiting that he murdered his dad? I suppose so. Patricide, by the way. I was calling it fratricide last week. Yeah. Patricide. I still Excuse think it's me. I think I think your way's funnier. Fratricide <laughs> is a brother though, I yes, think. Yeah. Right, right. Um but, but yeah, that he committed patricide? Did she just She's like, Oh, you killed your dad? That that really does it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to go <laughs> dispose of his body. C- and in doing so, you have earned my trust and faith yes, back. Yes, that's where it's like the whole time she's been bitching about Danvers. Right. Oh, you're just going to run off. If it had been the dad that she was upset about the whole time and then he's ben- killed the dad, maybe that makes some version of sense in some sick, psychopathic way. But also this doesn't make sense, and I don't think that she knows he killed I don't his dad. Either. I mean, because how could she have assumed? And then why he's would her reaction like, be so warm? This one thing. I got to just do this one thing. And, and that's I'll come just, back to you. And, that, and that's just like enough for her to just be like... You're right. What it's, a what a fool I've been. I just uh, needed you to. I just needed to let you do this one thing. Whatever that thing. Whatever may be. the one thing is. What I don't care what it is. Do it. Oh, and then all is forgiven. I spent some time with this scene because I was just like so confused, and my only conclusion was that perhaps she has decided. Well, I tried my best to change this man, <laughs> but he sucks, and this is what I've got. So I'm gonna stick with it. I real because like. It didn't. It just didn't make sense, like you said. Narrative sense. The, the moment was not earned. Maybe it's that he's like, "I did this." He's taking ownership. He's taking ownership and responsibility of whatever it is that of he has a to go vague, do, rather than saying Dan Danvers is calling me. I gotta go. Is yeah. That, I, I, but I don't know. Either way, regardless, no matter what, insane. 
this 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 180 this 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 make out this kiss this like please come back to me didn't it didn't make sense it was an awkward scene um and also i don't know why she's tipped off anyway it like leah goes over to spend new year's eve with danvers oh danvers is literally the chief of police it wouldn't be that wild for her to get called off to some wild shit that she has to go take care of on new year's eve and then peter pryor's like well it's a blizzard like i don't know we don't need to hang out like my wife and kid are alone it's new year's eve that all made sense and if the one thing that she could have taken in there leah could have taken into peter's wife would be yeah he's acting really weird yeah (laughs) like that would have been totally reasonable but i don't think that causes his wife to come out like tell me what's going on you know what i mean it's like he's been weird for the whole fucking season so yeah i just we can move on yeah Navarro finds some oranges in the fridge and, you know, one of them drops and, like, rolls a little bit. And she tells us her mother used to love oranges and she used to peel them in one long strip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the oranges payoff. That was that was it. Yeah. For the whole, the whole fucking orange well, debacle, so, the whole so season. She keeps seeing her mom in her visions. Yeah. And her mom is, I think, sort of, I guess, who's calling to her? I think so. Evangeline. Yeah. Um... Listen, listen. To what? Nobody knows. She's awake. Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, I guess it's like, I guess it's, I. <laughs> she sees oranges when she's about to see dead people or have a vision because her mom loved oranges. That's, that's good. That's yeah. good stuff. Yeah. That's... <laughs> uh, then it this... is, it's a, it's a, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's weak because it didn't need to be a payoff. Yeah. Like you could have just dropped, couldn't you have just dropped that on us earlier that like, I guess they kind of did. Like people in Alaska love oranges. There's no, there's not a lot of fresh fruit up there, especially in this season. You know, it's expensive to get it up there. It's kind of a to, to have something like a, a luxury. Like a yeah, it's a luxury. So it's a it's it's um yeah, uh, I, yeah, yeah. Danvers steps on a piece of glass, that triggers a memory to her walking up to the car crash that her yeah. husband and son died in, which mm-hmm. is a little Danvers spiritual connection there. That again, that she just like shrugs off, right? Um, so then they go and interview Raymond Clark, who says that Annie Kay's death was his fault because she found some of his notes about what they were doing at Salal. So remember, Annie Cl- Kay... By the way, Raymond Clark, he's, he's about to kill these two cops. He attempts to murder both of them, oh, uh, by the way. What do you mean? Well, he locks Danvers in the freezing cold room thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then he, he hits Navarro over the head with the, with the fire extinguisher and is dragging her off to... God knows where to do what to do. Who knows what with her? Right. Then tells them that he will never ever talk to them. And then, fifteen minutes with the loop in his ears, and he's like, "Okay, okay, I'll tell you everything." <laughs> <laughs> like again, like it just like everything happened. Like one of the, the 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 I've already called it the tone, so now I'm going to call it the pacing. They they we we were talking about how they waited until this last episode to give everything to us. Mm-hmm. And so they had to squeeze it all in. And like there, like there were moments like this where it was just like, we're going to rough you up and duct tape your ears with the sound of your love getting murdered. And that's going to crack you open real good, isn't it? Yeah. And then, he's, and then it does. And then he's literally telling them everything that they want to know. It just... It was off balance between it, yeah. watching him hit Navarro with that fire extinguisher when I went, oh, this dude's a real badass psycho fucking yeah. killing machine to, the, to him... Screaming like a banshee because they've duct taped. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we, we I, I get that part of it. It would be traumatic. Right. He was in the room when she was killed. Yep. He yep. frankly participated in it. But like the switch from hitting Navarro over the head with an extinguisher to admitting to 
almost everything mm-hmm. and giving them the full story just because they left him in there for 20 minutes while yeah. they went and had coffee was tough to to bite on. Like, a it little was bit. Just like, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, it's, it, and it's it's not that it was it, like, yeah. It's just that everything happens so quickly. We're we're pushing the story so fast now, and that 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 a lot of things happen. There there were a lot of moments in this episode which just really felt like like choppy. I would say. Yeah. Like cut to this, cut to this, cut to this, because this is where we need to go next to finish the story. Yeah, and I think there were people who felt that way all season. Yeah. That that was kind of the choppiness was uh, was tough for some viewers. Uh, but he says she found some of his notes about what they were doing at Salal, trying to save the world by polluting the world, by digging for the DNA of microorganisms uh, contained in the permafrost, which just just that by itself. If you if the rest of the episode had been really solid, but he still delivers the explanation that, in fact, they were asking the mine to pollute the area more mm-hmm. because the more pollution they could muster up. Yeah. The easier it is to get through the permafrost, uh-huh. I still would have been out on this because it's a silly fucking reason for all of this to be happening. That's the explanation for the entire season that Salal needed to pollute the shit out of Innis so they could mm-hmm. get through the permafrost to get to a microorganism that they believed could save the world, essentially. Yeah. It's just a crazy, unbelievable, I don't have anything in, in the real world to compare it to premise well well i mean i'll take it one further if there's a microorganism where that is potentially cancer curing and life-saving and all of these things and you need to soften or thaw the permafrost a bit to to get it done wouldn't this be like a global like initiative Effort? to yeah fuck we got to get that microorganism get everybody out of Innis get, we got to pollute the shit out of this or, area or, or f- come up with another way to soften the permafrost outside of outside, using a mine to pollute of, it? it yes outside of exacerbating pollution that's killing a town like it's just it's a weird it's a weird jump and I realize that there's like it's the Tuttles in the mine that's that's funding Salal so it's like a private enterprise and it's like they probably it's there's probably money involved and they want to come up with this they want to have this to themselves so that they can make a fucking trillion dollars off of it or whatever at some point. But like, it's also just, it's a, it, 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 that was a bit of a leap for me as well, because if there's something that important and that seriously world changing, then like, I don't know, just say so. And then people will figure it out, figure it out. Right? I don't, it's, they might as well call it unobtainium, and I get sure. that it's like, I get that it's like a parallel to you know like digging for oil in the ocean or whatever. They're like, well, we got to get the oil because it's essential yeah. to human industrialization, and even though we're killing this environment and all these mm-hmm. fish, like fuck them. I get it. I get that humans do bad shit that pollutes. Right. I just didn't think this explanation for the Salal mining relationship and the killing and this whole fucking conspiracy, like this, was, I didn't feel like this was a good enough yeah. reason. It just hit kind of silly. So, um, yeah. Oh, but then, then, he, then he goes on to explain like, it actually did work. That's what nobody understands, Barrett, that, that we cracked it and we could actually do it because the pollution from the mine helps soften the permafrost. So, like, this was the moment I knew the finale was not going to live up to my lofty and optimistic expectations because mm-hmm. of the explanation around the permafrost and the mining and the pollution. I was just like, oh, my God. 
Um, and uh, Clark says, it could have changed the world. It still could. Like, he's, like, hoping <laughs> yeah. that they'll, like, right. let him, like, oh, okay, well, actually, in that case, you go back, continue your work, and we'll just head out. <laughs> Sorry for the intrusion. Uh, we'll try to come up with an explanation for the townspeople. Yeah. Good luck, sir. Just you out here. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, it's just ridiculous. Um, so eventually, Clark gets into what happened to Annie Kay. She snuck into the station, destroyed all their work, mm-hmm. just went ham in she there went, with yeah, a she pipe. Yeah, she went ham in there. And then scientist Lund, who's the guy who sat up on his bed when he was dead uh-huh. and talked to Navarro, found her, snapped, and just decided murder was yeah. the the option he was going to go with. So then in, they show us this. You're like watching the scene unfold. So all of the other scientists come into the room, and they're like, oh, my God, what's what's going on? And she starts, like, swinging that object at them angrily. She cracks Clark over the head with it. Uh-huh. And they're all like, whoa, she's violent. Let's hold her down and let Lund keep stabbing her. <laughs> so just all these guys were just down to be conspiracists to and, murder? And, and murder. And, and murders. Just, conspiracists and just murders. fucking point blank? Yeah. Just uh, That was wild to me. I was like, damn, these guys were all shitty as hell. Yeah. Which I get is supposed to be the point, but my God. Um... Yeah, so they hold her down and let Lund continue stabbing her to death, but she didn't quite die. So then Raymond Clark, because he loved her so much, yeah, goes and S- finishes suff- her off, suffocates, suffocates her. her to death. Yeah, what the fuck? So we solved the Annie K case here, Barrett. That's yeah. one plus yeah, it was side. Yeah, the law scientists. There you go. A bunch of psychotic murderers down there, you know. But Clark does not admit to finishing her off. No, no. In terms of what he's saying to Danvers and Navarro, although you get the feeling they kind of. They, suspect he yes, was more involved yes. than he's letting on. Yep. Yep. Um, oh, also, they called the mine for help afterward because, uh, you know, the mine pays them. So the mine sent Hank Moody, he just says a cop, to come move the body. And then that's who cut the tongue Hank, out. Hank Moody? Hank Moody. Fryer? Hank Moody's from Californication. <laughs> Hank, thank you. <laughs> Hank, Hank Pryor. Pryor. It'd be really weird if that was another uh-huh. twist. Uh, yeah, Hank Pryor. So he's the one who cut the tongue out. And here's, here's another question. Uh-huh. So they call they call the mine. They're like, we got a fucking problem. We just yeah. murdered the shit out of this local girl. Right. They're like, all right, we've got you. We're sending a guy. Hank Pryor goes out there and he's like, all right, I know how to I know how to take care of this. I'm gonna take the body and move it to this storage facility where they end up finding her. But I'm gonna cut the tongue out because that'll make it look like she was murdered because she was protesting the mines and they want to silence her. Yeah. Now, how the fuck is that a win for the mining company? <laughs> How is that a win? It doesn't make sense. Now they're looking right at the mining company. Like, oh, because there's somebody who's trying to send a message. Don't protest the mines. We better go investigate every single one of these miners and, and to figure out who did this. That doesn't make fucking sense. That pissed me off. And we'll get to the tongue again later. Yeah, yeah. But I, I don't, I, don't I, I digress. I'll move on. But that was another moment that I was like, what? Is this where um, Clark shoehorns in time as a flat circle, by the way? Yeah, I may, yes, yes. Why? Yeah. Man, bummer. Things just kept getting worse. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that, that is... I hope HBO forced that in. I hope that was not an Issa Lopez pander. I get the feeling it was. Um, Look, I tried to give Mrs. Lopez or Miss Lopez... Didn't, Issa. Just didn't, didn't need it. it the didn't, benefit we didn't, of doubt. We didn't need it. No, I didn't... I didn't need it. You, I mean, like, Clark... Saying time is a flat circle out out of context, right? 
Well, like, I get it, how it, he was trying to make it make sense. Shoehorning was a perfect way of putting it because it just so forced in there. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like it's not like it, it's not like his use of it connected to how Rust Cole was using it. Right. It's just a coincidence, essentially, that he says the same line. So it's just a, it's just a gotcha fan servicey moment to be like, haha, there it was. He said it. It's it's you're just like it's just asking for the Leo DiCaprio meme. Yeah. Pointing at the TV and and whistling and like. It was the but, worst one but, of the but, three that but they did, I'm, though. I'm supposed to have, like, a pleasure button pushed after this guy just admitted to, like, his whole team and himself murdering a girl? I don't know. And what I, he was I, saying was that she's she's there in the caves. She's always been there in the caves and always will be in the caves, which mm-hmm. was just, like, they wanted they painted Raymond Clark as a guy who had lost his marbles. Mm-hmm. He's naked in the, in the station when the, right. you know, yeah. supply guy shows up. He's rambling to himself. The other guys are all ignoring him because he's lost it, right? Then he's completely coherent in explaining this to the cops, mm-hmm. but then he switches back to lost his marbles guy so he can force in the old time is a flat circle, and it was just, like, not connecting. It wasn't, like, a consistent character. It also, was very we, strange. Did, did, did you did you catch where Oliver Tagak was necessary to this story? What was it? I'm asking if you, if you, oh, if you saw why, it. Oh, yeah. why he was... No, not really. What, what, like, what was the point of him? I guess, I don't know. He knew, <laughs> he knew what happened up there. I, I'm serious. What, like, what, did we gain anything from the Oliver Tagak excursion? No, I, I really to the, don't to think Nomad so. Land. It was just like a. Just more spirals on the floor, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Why did Clark have the trailer with the crazy shit in it? And her phone and, like, the fucking dummy corpse on the bed. What was that? What the fuck was all that? Yeah. And I... It's just... Yeah. All right. Moving on. Danvers <laughs> storms out of the room, and she seems to be leaving Navarro there to murder Clark. And when when was he doing all of that, by the way? When the, was he the do, trailer was stuff? doing all the trailer stuff? No. I mean, it was their love nest. Yeah, but, but I know when was damn he sure turning it into Carcosa? Because he had her, he had her broken the, phone there, remember? That's the great question, yeah. I mean, it's it supposed to be, he's supposedly just been running around through the caves all this time. Maybe right? he was popping back and forth between that and the love nest where he was putting together the straw doll of her on the bed or whatever. I don't know what the fuck they're just Danvers leaves Navarro in there and, and you're like, oh, shit, she's going to let Navarro kill him yeah. just like she did with the Wheeler case. Right. And she starts having flashbacks to the Wheeler case. But as we find out later in these moments where Danvers has left the room mm-hmm. and Navarro was still in there. And Clark is screaming, please, no, don't do it. Don't kill me. Navarro was filming Clark confessional footage mm-hmm. on her cell phone. Yeah. Somehow, in the two minutes, uh-huh. and after calming him down because he was screaming. Yeah, and he's v- very calmly and stately provides a full the explanation. the entire explanation <laughs> for the whole fucking case. What the fuck? That was another moment. I just oh, wait, like, no, what? no, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This okay. No, when, she's doing this later. Okay. When he, when she does this, when he asks, this is when if she, he can go kill himself. That's right. That's oh, right. Oh, got that's, it. That's when she. Oh, that's thank why God. she agrees to allow him to go kill himself. Thank God. Because she. That's what she did. Right, we got a reason. There. That's, that's when she does. It. That's better. That's better. Okay. Yeah. Um. Anyway, Navarro killed Wheeler. It turns out when that, mm-hmm. as we suspected, when the ghosts. Yep. Points at him. She just, like, very quickly, like, bam, you're gone. Um, but didn't kill Clark because character development or something? Yeah, like, yeah. Sure. Uh, also, oh, when they show the Wheeler scene and they blow Wheeler's head off, 
Then there's a baby crying in the background. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh no, there was a baby. Any takeaway there? Any reason? Any? Yeah. Just, just supposed to be this is fucked up? That's Leah. That's literally what I wrote. My new theory is the baby we hear crying in the background at Wheeler's was Leah Danvers. They, and it's a joke. Uh, yeah, there's no way that that's right. No, no, it's, I was joking. Yeah, but well, it's I was too. It's yeah. funny that yeah. we came up with the same stupid I mean, joke. that's the only thing that I, like, the baby starts crying and I'm, and that's, and what? I'm like piecing things together. I'm like, is it Leah? Leah? <laughs> is it Leah? <laughs> but no, Leah's way too old. Yeah, it doesn't This make only sense. happened, like, what, like six years ago, five uh, years ago? Something like that. Yeah. Next, Danvers has an orange. <laughs> in the Salal kitchen and makes a little spiral with her orange peel. And for a moment, I was like, I, I kept trying to buy back in. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, all right, oh, Danvers is losing it. She's going to, like... Well, don't you think she's trying to do the one peel-off thing? She's trying yes, to do what the, Navarro's mother... Navarro's mother peel of the orange. Yeah, but then you watch her, like, she, like, positions it. She's like, oh, look, it makes a little spiral. And it turns out that was the end, that was the depth of it. Like, oh, look, I can make the little spiral with yeah, this orange. Yeah. And that, But, like, I thought... I thought something else was going to happen. She also, in that scene, she looks down yeah. and she sees the spot where Annie Kay's tongue was. Yeah. And, does and it... she hits her head on like the table, but like, what? Okay. The... This is what I saw. This is what I saw. She looks down and she sees the, like the, like the slime from, yeah. the, from the tongue print or whatever. Right. Which is somehow and still there. Isn't another print made all of a sudden? May, may, I don't know. Like, I thought it, like, grew or expanded or, like, another tongue print lays it late, like, gum, like comes down. Like she was down. seeing some shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. But I don't know how that makes any sense. It it, it doesn't. It, it does not tie back. I cannot come up with any explanation. <laughs> I thought they were going to come back to this. Like, well, she saw something. Yeah. She saw something with she, that tongue spot. She did. I, I... I don't know. Continue. Yeah. All right. So, well, <laughs> we're answering, we're giving you answers where we can, folks. Uh, so Clark tells Danvers and Navarro that Annie kept appearing to him and he kept hearing her voice and that she came back to kill everyone. So he hid in a hatch, right? He he hides in the, in the ladder tunnel. Okay. So maybe he's out at the trailer doing weird kooky shit like over the next couple of weeks. Because he's worried about what happened there. Or I guess, no, I guess years. Yeah, I guess it's years. Yeah, I guess yeah, they, yeah. They, the, the street justice happens years after the Annie K murder. Yeah, but the scientists getting lured out, or as we thought, lured out, because like, okay, okay, I'm 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 ca I'm catching on now. He he's been doing weird shit in the Love Nest trailer over the course of time since Annie died. Yeah, he's okay. going out there and doing kooky shit. Okay, yeah. So he had plenty yeah. of time to make Carcosa in there, but why the, he did it? Because the Annie K, K trial or the Annie K murder happened years ago. Yeah, and he's obviously been continuing to work it at Salon. Yeah, good point. He's not running around in the caves just yet. Right, okay. right. Okay, yeah. Um, so then, then the power surge happens. He has the big shivery shake. She's awake. He knows something's going down, and then he go that's when he goes down into the caves. Yeah, he goes and hides, and then of course, like just because we have to, the big twist in the episode comes when it turns out he was hiding in the hatch while a renegade band of Inupiaq vigilante women came through and forced all the other scientists into killing themselves, which, if this is your first time with our podcast, I have been saying is what happened, likely what happened the entire season. That was always my theory. Um, <laughs> it just, like, when he's explaining it and we don't have the answer about the, yeah, yeah. the, the band of women that sure. comes through yet— and he's up there holding the hatch, yeah. it seems like somebody was like really trying to open that thing. Uh -huh. But then when we get the shot of the one token white girl who runs with the locals, right. yes. 
she basically walks over to the hatch and goes, huh, a hatch. And she touches it once so that she can leave that handprint with two finger yeah. missing. And that was it. So he's sitting there fighting for his life in the scene we well, see. Like, oh, God, they're trying to I, get me. What is it I any case like, up there? I think we see that 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 early, like Lund goes over there and is trying oh, to. Oh, he would. That was right. Lund some, was the one trying to open it. There's some scientists trying to get in there to hide as well. That And that, then later, like the final tap is like. Okay, but the the girl with with three fingers, she like messes with it a little bit and touches leaves, it, touches it, leaves the hand. But prey. even Loon's reaction, like Clark comes running into that room, mm-hmm. like hits the button and opens <laughs> the hatch, and Loon is like, "Wait, let me come with you." <laughs> he doesn't have the slightest clue why this guy is running, and he's just like, "Clark, damn you, open the hatch! Yeah, don't leave me up here to die!" You hear him like being dragged away, just like, what, "Bro, what the fuck?" Uh, anyway. Back to Clark, he drops the time as a flat circle and babbles about how Annie was always in the caves and always will be, which is why he asked Otis Heiss how to survive her, obviously. Who and when left the we're all dead note on the uh, whiteboard? I don't know. I don't, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> who fucking cares? But this, even this was like, it's just... We're wondering why did this guy seek out Otis Heiss? He must uh-huh. have similar like eye and ear injuries or whatever. Like he, uh-huh. but no, it was just because Raymond Clark was a nut who thought that Otis Heiss, who suffered this cave uh, collapse, that that was also an Annie K confrontation. That like that Annie K is this spirit that's always been down here and always will be and yeah. caused that cave collapse and like must have injured Otis. Heiss. That just didn't really. I get that it's like if if the only write off is like well Raymond Clark was crazy like that's not that creative it's the only way I know how to put it it just didn't have a ton of um weight yeah. behind it I, I don't know I guess the the scientists they had the similar afflictions and and injuries as Heist did yeah but Raymond Clark didn't so well, because yeah, he never encountered them. But the, the explanation that Raymond gives the police is, I went and sought this guy out to figure out how to survive okay, if Annie he, Kay. Yeah, if he ever con- con- comes into confrontation with, with... Yeah. I guess. He's right. ever forced out onto the ice with all of his facilities and abilities to come back and get his clothes, but the, 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 the magic Annie Kay spirits out of there in the tundra take him instead... <laughs> He'll know what to do. He'll know what to do. Yeah. Okay. If you're like me, then you're either too busy, too tired, or too ineffective in the kitchen to worry about what's for dinner when you're just trying to relax at the end of the day and watch some TV. That's where Factor comes in and takes care of everything. I just go to the fridge, pick a Factor, toss it in the microwave for two minutes, and bam, I'm eating like a king on the couch. It's cheaper, better, and better for you than takeout. Today's episode is brought to you by Factor, of course. Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Whatever tomorrow has for you in, in store for you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie-smart, vegan plus veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Factor is flexible to your schedule, by the way. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. No prep, no mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. I survived 2023 
because of factor with a newborn at home and another one under five. My wife and I did not have time to cook. We did not have time to prep. We did not have time to grocery shop. We both have small businesses. Factor was who we relied on. I've tried a lot of these different pre-prepared meal services over the years. Factor far and away the best, most delicious, and has the most options of any of them that I have dealt with, Barrett. Just imagine if the uh, the Salal scientists had uh, had Factor being delivered. None yeah. of this would have happened. None probably. of it. They just would have been could so, have been avoided. So fulfilled and satisfied with their meals rather than Funyuns that uh, that they they wouldn't have lost it like that. Yeah, you know, it's, it's it could have been a different story. It could have been a better story. A better story. Could, or a, a bet with a better ending. Yeah. Least, no, know? that's that's our tagline for today. True Detective <laughs> Night Country would have been better. If the scientists had had Factor. Head to Factormeals.com slash OCC50 and use code OCC50 to get 50% off your first box and two wellness shots per box while your subscription is active. That's code OCC50 at Factormeals.com slash OCC50 to get 50% off your first box and two free wellness shots per box while your subscription is active. So Danvers and Navarro are trapped at Salal until this storm passes and the power goes out. So there's no heat. Uh, and Navarro just, I guess, like you uncovered, she films the confessional video yep. with Raymond <clears throat> Clark. And in exchange, she lets him walk out into the storm and die like Jack Nicholson in The Shining. <laughs> yes. Um, and Danvers is like, hey, why'd you do that? <laughs> and that's kind of it. And then she doesn't explain. She no. Doesn't, she doesn't tell her then. Doesn't. She's got to keep it close to the vest. So that she can drop that reveal on her later. Yeah, because you know? like, it's a sick exit. A, yeah, I got a little surprise for you. Just don't, you just wait. Yeah. Don't you worry about it. <laughs> the, fucking, the stuffed animal teddy bear and cell phone scene would have sucked if we already exactly, knew this part. Exactly. Um, also, more plot holes. Uh, P- Pilot Pete is out there. He's just he's just making all sorts of journeys and treks in the blizzard, mm-hmm. by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's taking bodies out to Rose Agonow's place. He's dropping Leah off back at home. He can go off to the top of the caves and dump bodies. Right, so they can't leave because of the storm, but he but can he go can wherever he wants. he can just drive around everywhere because he's, I don't know, got the right vehicle or something. Yeah, yeah. They, with all the Salal trucks, everything that they got up there, they, they, can't, they can't leave in the blizzard. It's yeah. too, too tough to, for, for them to do it. Too perilous. They must um, stay. So, uh, tough plot hole. Tough plot hole. There, yeah. Again. So, yeah. Navarro tries to get the backup generator going, but it doesn't work. Although there is this like creepy Annie K ghost in the background when the lights flash. Uh-huh. So again, there's these moments that keep you thinking like, okay, maybe some really crazy yeah, more, like yeah. shit is going to happen. Some supernatural ghost attack shit, right? Uh, of course it never does, but very cool in the moment. Then Danvers sees a hubcap roll out in front of her. And uh, look, I get it. Like everyone, everyone's trauma if left unresolved, continues to affect them. I'm not sure if you knew that, Barrett, but if you go through terrible things in life and you don't go to therapy or address (laughs) them in some form, they will continue to haunt you. And if that's sort of the the message here, it just feels a little, I don't know, uh, unearned again. Like, it's just, there's... See, the, like everybody in NSC shit, that whole thing, it was like supposed to carry us through all these creepy well, moments. I mean, I don't think the message was delivered. Like, I don't yeah. like the message to me was that if you're at the Salal station, you, you're going to be exposed to exposed to paranormal activity. Paranormal activity. Yeah. Right. Yeah, well, I guess. Uh, five minutes after letting him kill himself, Navarro has a vision of Raymond Clark in the pink parka convulsing and saying she's awake. 
I laughed at this one. I just didn't. And I was like, wait, did he survive? <laughs> He's he was alive. I'm pretty sure I just saw him buried in like head deep in snow out there. Like, how the fuck? It was just a really confusing moment, and I don't know what the seizures are about. The like we saw him seize in episode one before the power gets cut, and he says she's awake, and then he his ghost does the seizure dance right. for yeah. Navarro here, and and says she's awake again. It was just yeah. it was weird. Uh, Rose Aguinaugh, uh was a real person because Peter Pryor visits her to help him dispose of the bodies, which she agrees to do. And even as hard as I tried, the first thirty seconds or so of that scene to be like, but he, but it could still be. A- <laughs> It could still be a ghost that he can see too. You know what I mean? It's like no, she's just once she's like, you got to turn around so that I can stab your dead father in the chest and empty uh, his air pockets. Empty- yeah, I was like, yeah, she's real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so instead of being a ghost, she was some kind of like runaway refugee with a fake name and alias that had clearly killed someone or multiple someone's at some point. Yeah. Would you say that's fair? I the way that she describes to to. To Peter Pryor, that the hardest part is yet to come, living right. with it. Uh, you'd certainly think that you're unable to deliver that message if you aren't also dealing with that type of trauma and guilt. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, look, man, all in all, I, I, and I, I think there's been a lot There's been a lot written about how Pete is the only one that was seemingly able to do any actual detective work over the course of this series. Oh, can I read the tweet? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've got it. I've been waiting this whole show with it up on my phone yeah. this entire time. Yeah. Uh, so at Sturgeon's Law on Twitter after episode five tweeted, watched True Detective Ep 5. It's insane that they had two women protagonists only to make them completely incompetent and mired in personal failings and drama when this kid suffers as much or more than either and makes all the major contributions to solving the actual mystery. And I, I had that shared with me and was like, it's tough to argue with that. And Espe- especially when both he and science teacher guy both like made key discoveries. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure they say this in the script by Googling. Yeah. By using the <laughs> Internet. Real tough. It's not like they like I, they didn't even ask any questions. They just punched something <laughs> in the search engine. Well, they might have asked Jeeves. Uh, yeah, yes, they did ask Jeeves. Uh, but I, I, like, I liked Pete and I liked Rose. These were both, they, they, the, these were both great characters and I liked this scene and the, I thought that the shot with the, the, the Aurora Borealis, the Northern Lights as they soak in, um, you know, having to have had disposed of, the, of, of this body was like, that, that was cool. That was a cool, expansive shot and a nice moment between two characters, um, where the writing was the, was pretty good, yeah. I thought. Yeah, in spots it was. Because we'll get to some other writing. You may have been tipped off based on the way I introduced uh, the show. It's next. Uh, that was hard. So Navarro tries to tell Danvers about her son Holden's afterlife message for her, but Danvers doesn't want to hear it and <laughs> says, quote, I will shoot your sick fucking mouth right off your face. I will rip you apart. <laughs> No mercy. I will come at you like a spider monkey. <laughs> and I added that last part in, but uh, the but, rest of it was real. The, the problem is that when you you said that last part, and I was like, I think he added that. <laughs> you weren't confident enough. Yeah. I wasn't confident. Like she doesn't. She will. I will. I will rip you apart. Does she say she'll come at her, or does, does I she, will rip you apart? Is the she just says uh, no mercy? I'm all out of mercy. <sighs> I, I mean, Jodie Foster tries here, but I, I like I. Jodie Foster is a director herself. I believe she is also a writer. She is obviously a very good actor. 
I, I like I can't believe that she didn't push back on this. This was rough. This was a rough delivery. It was line delivery. I, I I stand by what I've said all season. I don't I don't think this role was right for her. It did not work out. But no nobody sitting there saying I'm going to uh, I will rip you apart. I mean, and I will shoot your mouth off your silly fucking face. Yeah. But those this, are those are bad lines. That's a line that for it to hit has to have been earned prior to that line being delivered. Like, you have to believe that that character would say something like that. And so she hadn't really done anything this season to make us see her as the type of person who could say, I will shoot your sick fucking mouth right off your face and have you believe that she might actually do it. Yeah. So it was just tough. It was. And then the spider monkey part, it was like, this is a line from (laughs) Talladega Nights. You can't just throw that in there. Um, But... But yeah, that was a tough scene for sure. Let me let me read you the response. So that they're, that, they're, they're both. I just what it like. There's no the power's cut. The backup generator's not working. They're both freezing to death out here. They built a small fire. At, at what point are you like? Maybe we should try in the truck. <laughs> because we're, the truck di- has a we're heater dying in here. We are both. We're literally on the brink of death. I mean, I think we are supposed to take it as like neither of them is in their right mind. Right, like they're seeing hubcaps and oranges and uh-huh. spirals, and they're like something's weird with Salal, so it takes away your ability to like reason properly or yeah, something. Like yeah. they're they're kind of trapped there until they're not mentally. Yeah. Right? Okay. No, and, and, but, that, and that that's that's a fair explanation. But you have to jump to that. And again, to get like that 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 was my kind of big takeaway from this episode is like, oh, Salal is haunted. It's like on top yeah, of yeah. some spooky shit, basically. A dead whale. In the shape of a spiral, so yeah. that's how you know it's spooky. Yeah, and um, there's some spirit stuff happening here. So well, hold on, this next scene is great. Navarro walks out onto the ice, uh, presumably to die. She's just she's just doing what she said she's going to do all season, yeah, right? Yeah, she's yeah, walking yeah. out there. Her sister Julia did the same thing. Not Leah. I said Julia. Danvers follows her to try to stop her. Okay. She's had a change of heart. She's like, what I said was too mean. She, I fucked up. I, I, yeah. oh, she's my friend. I got to go make it up to her. Oh, God damn it. No, she's outside. No. So she follows her. And then Navarro has like one of those flashbacks to like the Middle East mm-hmm. where she served. And like her mom appears to her in a vision and tells her that her Inupiaq name is Sikanakiak. This is as close as I can get to tough it. I'm pronunciation. sorry. Yeah, this was a tough one. Yeah. Uh, and apologize. <laughs> so here's the problem. Even if you thought this was a cool moment, which uh-huh. it very well could have been. Yeah. When Navarro drops her new name at the end of the episode, it's so cheesy that it ruins all of it. The whole storyline is ruined. And I, I I get like I'm just a white dude. I don't have I don't have this kind of life experience to kind of back up this storyline. But like there's it still wasn't good writing, is what I'm trying to say. Like that was not that was that was just so unnecessary. Like the 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 using it already and like Danvers not even asking her, like, what now? You got a middle name you never even told me? You know what I mean? Like, just, it was just, it was, it was weird. Um, Anyway, Danvers falls through the ice and uh, is drowning and and hears her son Holden calling to her. And I mean, as you're watching, you're like, well, she can't just die here because this would be dog shit. But uh, Navarro, who we thought was long the fuck gone, I guess heard her fall through the ice, went, oh, what am I doing? Where, Where am I going? I gotta go save Danvers. Runs back. Well, she got what she wanted out there on the ice, right? She 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 gets her name. She gets her name. I think that probably snaps her back into okay to the playing field. Uh, 
partially so, also aided by cr- the cracking of the ice, and yeah. she's got to go save her partner, you know? Okay. Well, she pulls her up and saves her, and then Navarro nurses Danvers back to life while we see, like, flashes of the, the car crash mm-hmm. that, that took Danvers' family from her. And and then finally she asks Navarro to tell her what Holden said, because earlier she, Navarro, when she tried to get into it, is when she threatened to shoot her sick Again, face off. another just, like... <laughs> Um, it, if you tell me what Holden said, I see you, I'm going to shoot your fucking face off your mouth off your face. Uh-huh. I will tear you apart, rip you apart. Limb from limb. Come at you like a spider monkey. <laughs> no mercy. Oh no. Now that I have hypothermia, you can tell me what he said. Well, I, I honestly, this one, I didn't mind too much because it's like, she's so broken and she's just like, she almost died just now, and she's heard Holden near, in the, the water. It's the near death. Yeah. And then the fact, yeah, the, the, she did, yeah. yeah. So she she's heard, like, she oh, heard screw it. Yeah. Tell okay. me what he said. But then Navarro tells her, uh-huh. and it's a big letdown again. Yeah. Because <laughs> he said, I see you. Yeah. And I, I understand the message. I get that, like, it would be incredibly moving to hear that your late small son yeah. was still watching over well, you. Well, and she does the eye thing to her. She, yeah, she puts her hand, which is that's the flashback that that Danvers keeps having having yeah, to her yeah. son is them laying on the floor playing like the little peekaboo oh, game. Oh, and I see, yeah, yeah. And okay. so the 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 and I think she I think they're even saying I see you or Danvers is saying that to her son. So um, the one-eyed polar bear was her son reincarnated, maybe causing car crashes. I think the one-eyed polar bear is just for real. I think the one-eyed polar he's just out there, man. He's just out. He's just riding around and getting it. I get. Yeah, yeah. Um. Uh, no, I have no idea. Ross. I think it's her kid, though. Uh, so the, the so when Danvers, or when Navarro says "I see you" and then covers Danvers' eye, I think it's like a confirmation for Danvers that Navarro really is having these connections. Yes, to the is, re- the is truly connected to the to this afterlife spirit realm, whatever you want to call okay, it. Okay, cool. I can deal with that. Yeah. Uh, Rose Aguinaw helps Peter Pryor dump the bodies of his dad and Otis Heiss into the spot where Navarro put her sister Julia, which I feel like is kind of disrespectful to Julia's <laughs> funeral yeah. procession. But um, they connect both of them, Peter Pryor and Aguinaw, over, over having like killed people. I am done with theories, but I think Rose killed her husband. That's my guess. That feels likely, I would say. Yeah. She drops yeah. that quote, what comes after forever mm-hmm. like that's the worst of it that you deal with it forever which is not very encouraging if you're saying that to peter who's just uh, stuffed his dad into a hole yeah, it's in a the tough, ice. tough break for peter there to hear that <laughs> anyway this the storm ends on january 1st which i believe is the 16th day of night or something like that i don't know i didn't write it down and we get to see the northern lights which is fun barrett mentioned that so while talking to navarro danvers realizes they need to test the hatch for fingerprints and this may be my least favorite scene of the whole the whole season maybe wait say that again Holding, holding the holding hat, the hatch, hatch. And he, she's like ding, ding, ding. Like you see, like a fucking light bulb appear above her head. I don't follow the logic here. I'm not a forensic specialist, mm-hmm. but this seemed a little wacky. Uh, but she runs up there. They test the hatch for fingerprints, and they see a hand on the hatch. Which this took me to the rewatch. I'm a relatively bright guy, not the smartest, but not the dumbest, and. <laughs> I didn't notice that the handprint in the first episode or in this episode or when they show it on the hatch was missing two fingers at all. Because, you know, fingerprints, handprints, they're smudgy. Sometimes you just don't get the whole fucking hand. I didn't immediately go, oh, my God, the token white girl from episode one. This might have been a maybe this was a guy thing. Laura picked up on this immediately. And I was like, wait. What what's just happened? With, what's up with the hand? And she's like, it has. it's missing two fingers. The girl's missing two fingers. 
I had no no. I saw that handprint and I was just like, handprint. <laughs> Well, and I also went, but there's a whole bunch of other handprints. Why I, no, is that the, one special? The, the 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 two fingers. I totally would miss that. I, I, I did. Um, it's exactly what you're saying. Handprints are smudgy and incomplete all the time. Like yeah. it, it like totally miss that. Then they're doing a the little flashback, and this took me quite some time to 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 figure out what was happening here. Um, I was like, wait, and then it just and then nothing came to me. <laughs> You just moved on with your life. Yeah. <laughs> but it was the was domestic like, abuse case from episode one. Why do they have her handprint? Oh, it's in it's in her file? Why did they, like, it's... But what I don't get is, in, in if there's anybody out there, anybody, please, who has an explanation for how Danvers repeating the holding the hatch thing, I'm, I'm sorry, Navarro, Navarro, how that got Danvers to go, oh my God, we got to go test the hatch for handprints and fingerprints. And then when they're doing it, Navarro's like, "What are we looking for?" And Danvers is like, "I don't actually know." It's bad. It's bad. It's a. It's an immediate. It's a jump in logic that's there f- by necessity. And they again, ha- supposed to-, to be backed up by like the spiritual thing that's happening at Salah. Like Danvers just had this sixth sense uh, to go they, do this, but doesn't really know why. They just have to. They have to get to it. And the the yeah. And so Navarro is just holding the hat, and they go. They do the little cheesy like, "Say that again." No, not that part. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah it didn't play very well for yeah, me personally yeah. uh so then they're like we weren't asking the right question the question isn't who killed annie k but who knows who killed her and I, at this point i'm desperately attempting to stay plugged in i'm just like i don't even care anymore which was a, and i didn't like this either because well the, you, y'all just figured out who killed annie k Right. So that was also a good question that you should have been asking. I yeah, think. but now you're solving something else entirely, so which do, we've all lost interest in. So I do think that <laughs> you did ask the right question. Who questions. killed Annie K was was a good question. That was actually the question when when once answered tied the mine to the death of Annie K and implicated the scientist in the murder. Like that was a good question too. Don't don't sell yourself short there, detectives. Yeah, yeah. Well, the answer it turns of out the true nature uh, when they asked the the the. The right question, which is who knows who killed her, is the Inupiaq all-female mafia with a token <laughs> white girl. So so one day, six years after Annie Kay's killing, the cleaning lady at Salal Station spilled a bucket of suds onto the secret hatch at Salal, mm-hmm. then went down and found the star-shaped stabbing device, yes. because she's watched a ton of CSI, <laughs> Then another one of these Inupiaq mafia members is documenting and taking photos of everything. That was uh, in a scene that, if you didn't laugh, that was I was yeah, I laughed. Look, it was unintentionally (laughs) hilarious. Her taking the big (laughs) with her fucking cell phone. It's like, what, dude? Is there no cameras? It's the law. Is they've got a camera? No, that was at the police station. Oh, okay. So they're just ninjas. They're breaking in everywhere. No, she does the housekeeping. They're all connected, right? And, And as we've already said. Uh, earlier, like, they clean there too. Yes, and the scientists and obviously the police officers, like they're like it was also a it was a message there that like they're they're not even paying attention, right? They're they're looking over these women, and again, like this whole we'll we'll get to this part. Well, I'm sure we're going to talk about it here in just a minute. Like, but like the, there was obviously this 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 big tie and message about like as we called out many times over the course of the season that we thought this this was going to some. Place the reason that these that these small characters like Julia and Leah were even involved in the first place is because their show was going to say something about oppression or neglect or overlook of 
the these like these these native people, right? Um, and 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 finally here it got to it and it said it. But so yes, the the they're solving them. The, they're doing the police work and the detective work at at Salal, and then the one that does the cleaning at the police station. She's in there and she's flipping through files and taking. I wish she had had like one of those little tiny spy cameras. Oh yeah, you know like, like Austin, Austin Powers. Powers. <laughs> yeah, that would have made it better. <laughs> But okay, so but yeah, it was still it was an unintentionally funny scene, which now, was unfortunate. Look, I am a thousand percent for female-driven storytelling. I am all for female protagonists. I am all for getting into stories about native people and how they're displaced. But please make it good. That's that. This ended up feeling so weird because it was just like <laughs> all right, so. Remember we were wondering like oh they had that one like breaking bad scene with the uh, the ashes the the cremation process well that's one of the women in the Inupiaq all female mafia uh-huh. so they kept showing us these characters over the course of the season right. then to give us this big payoff scene but by the time that payoff scene came which I would add was pretty solid if not for the dog shit it was surrounded by it had all been kind of sullied like the finale wasn't good and then you get to this big payoff point, and the big payoff point is ruined by like me laughing at that little woman doing iPhone photos in the fucking yeah. police station and stuff. Um, that was know, a bummer. I'll, it was I'll, a bummer. I'll go back to tone here, uh, and just the, the the way that this show like wanted its cake and and to eat it as and to eat it too. But I I, I didn't hate this solve. I didn't hate this answer. This was kind of cool. You know what I mean? For, in, in a way. Um, but the but the 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 scene work of the 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 women doing the 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 the, uh, the spy work and and all of that the investigating and yeah. then the entire scene where they bum rush the the Salal station yeah that felt like it was from a different show our buddy called it a Guy Ritchie movie yeah like that yes like that was like or it, or it had this it had the flavor of I I can't come up with a good comp but you know how sometimes like a twenty four horror films. Have some insane like, like kind of Gonzo twist. Yeah, and then some scene that is like totally like almost like a different piece of the story, kind of slaps you in the face, and it's like the reveal. I've, I want to say there's maybe something like this in Get Out, but but it's it's like that's the feel that it had for me, and it there there was, it it came out of nowhere, and it just didn't feel tonally right. This like all the red lights blaring, they're all. Like you said, they're 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 a guy Richie like they're all strapped to the nine strapped in. They're pull, they're yanking these guys out of their positions. It's like suddenly we're kind of like indulging in a little bit of like revenge porn. It's very, it was like it was it reminded um, me of an Inglorious Bastards yes, when they go in yes. and just murder the shit totally. out of all the Nazis. That, yeah, that's a good that's a good comp for it. It was and it was Tarantino esque. Maybe Tarantino is there a better go. comp than 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 A twenty four. Um, and it just it. There was, but there was nothing else like that, and so I like I don't hate that the that the answer was that the Anupiak women figured out what had, had happened and got their revenge on. But that scene was that was just w- a weird insert that I don't think worked like in the context of the overall show. Um, especially with the add on that it was like, yeah, we let them go out there, and then who knows what happened to them. Because what the because f- spirits and magic are out there, right? She was like, "Look, they had every <laughs> chance to survive. We folded and piled their clothes nicely so that they could come back for them if Mother Nature's spirit or whatever 
didn't decide that they should be killed, but right. she must have decided but they she, should be killed. Yeah, and she, the, she wanted them. She wanted, she wanted their bones and shit. Eat their dreams and spit their bones out. But I was like, "What the fuck?" When they they kept doing like in that in that scene, they kept showing how terrified the scientists were, and I was like, "Oh, okay, so somehow these dudes are gonna freeze, Scary. experiencing the terror of this of 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 this revenge, right street here, street justice, right here." But they get them to run off. But they get them to run off. So like, then their frozen like, poses don't make sense. Yeah. So I I, I wish that they had. And so in that way, it's like we got our true detective Yeah, this was all people. This was all companies and corporations and all this type of shit. But, oh, yeah, it also was still a little bit of ghost and spirit stuff, too. I, I, I like it can't was, have it all. I don't. Yeah, you can't. I don't think that you can have it all here. I wish that if they had gone here, I think that this scene could have been a little less Tarantino Richie esque in its in its execution. No pun intended. Um, and. Then, like, just have them do the job, right? Yeah. Like, like, let's go. Let's go there. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what that was about. Um. But yeah. They, they... And, and and maybe the fact that they like let them like they they ran out of out into the ice and then we can't tell you what happened is like kind of a excuse for why Danvers and Navarro can be like, huh? Sounds crazy to me. I well, guess. see you later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, just. It, it... That that was a weird shift, and it preceded another weird shift where all of a sudden the last ten minutes is like this big profound like it was all so deep and connected, and like we're all just spirits walking out there on the ice like Navarre. Like that okay. it was a weird ending. Before too. we jump to that, why draw the spiral on Loon's head? Because when when they 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 run in guns blazing or mm-hmm. you know holding guns anyway, not shooting. Yeah. Take them out onto the ice, make them strip butt ass naked. Which, by the way, if that happens to me, I go go fuck yourself, shoot me in the head. I'm not <laughs> stripping naked out here. It's very clear what's going to happen next. Just kill me now. Uh, she walks up to Lund and draws the spiral onto his head because remember he had the spiral. Like one guy in the corpsicle had the spiral. Yeah. What's the spiral thing? overused in the season where now now so in that moment i was like okay so is the spiral like an anupiac symbol of like justice or because if you're trying if you're trying to do all the tying this to season one that they tried to do yeah it makes no sense the spiral being as present as it was in louisiana and being part of this tuttle cult but also the anupiac locals who are just trying to defend their town and seek out mafia justice because the police don't do shit for them also use the spiral i was just so well i think you know like rose earlier in the season she does the spiral in the snow, and she's like, "That been, shit's been here been forever, around longer than Ennis." And it's just—I'm a ghost. I, I think we know it's a sign slash call out of danger and portals to the netherworld and bad stuff. Bad stuff. So it's like they're—I guess they're kind of like marking him, you know? I guess as they send him out to whatever's out there. Well, he was the one that like started the stabbing, but I don't know how they could have known that, right? You know, right. that wasn't in the papers and shit. They were taking photos. So they're of. just, they're out there. They're just, they're doing, you know, they're just, mar- they're marking them up, being like, get these guys, get their bones. So Danvers tells the all female Inupiaq mafia that the case is officially closed. She's basically like, well, I'm going to get my white ass out of here because you Dan- guys have some serious talking to do. Danvers is very, I will say, very clearly um, the, what's playing on Jodie Foster's reactions and mannerisms is fear. Yeah, when, Threat, when, threat, feeling threatened. Girls start trickling in. Yeah. 
like you see two in the background standing right. behind our main mafia leader, and then you're like, and I'm I'm half joking when I say mafia, but that's also kind of what they're doing here. Yeah. Um, yeah it's, and it's then they they're feel. like more and more come in, and Danvers stands up at one point, and Navarro has to like sit her yeah. down. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then like next thing you know, the room's filled, and she's just got a whole fucking squad behind her. Yeah. Yeah. Danvers was scared. Yeah. But like when the story's done, <laughs> she's like. All right, I'll leave you and Nupiak to figure your shit out. Navarro, good luck. Whitey out. And it was just like, what? You're not going to ask any questions about... Because all she has to say is just a story, though. Yeah, right. Yeah. Just a, It's just our version of the story. Yeah. Well, that's not how criminal investigations work. I can't just walk into a fucking interrogation and be like, well, here's my version of the story. You can't arrest me for it. I'm telling a story. You know what I mean? Well, uh, I see yeah. the point. They're letting the, they're letting it go. Yes, but don't like I. So I wish that there had been more of Danvers just agreeing to let this go because justice was served, and we they all need to move on from this rather than being like, yo, if I don't let this go, I think I might not leave here alive. Right, which is what you kind of ended up with a good fifty fifty bag. Yeah. There. So yeah. that 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 was the 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 piece to me that I thought was a little strange. It's like okay, well, it's one thing to like let the street justice slide you know because these dudes did an awful thing and they got what they deserved right but it's another thing to like we're 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 coming in here and we're 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 mobbing deep and like what are you going to do about it yeah they did give the impression like we'll you know? fuck you up if you're not okay with this right. you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh okay so danvers leaves the room and navarro asks these women ab about annie's tongue and the leader is like i don't know what you're talking about Almost slyly, like, I could, do not... Couldn't could not tell. What? I think she was being serious. I think she was being genuine that they didn't leave the tongue. So how did the tongue get to Salaw Station? Okay, great. Yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> Danvers gets interviewed by Internal Affairs, which is the sort of weird, deep ending Barrett was referring to. Um, she gives a bunch of answers for what happens, and uh, one dude asks, don't you find it odd that Clark died in the exact same manner as the Salaw men? And Danvers is like, I do find it extremely odd. The funny thing to me as a viewer was he didn't die in the exact same circumstances as the Salam in. He's 20 feet from the fucking door <laughs> and fully clothed. No, I think he is naked. No, no? he's got his full fucking get up on still. Or the snow created a nice little like, uh -oh. sweater for him. I, he looked clothed to me. Hmm. Um, okay. Anyway, then apparently Navarro disappears and the season ends with a Danvers voiceover explaining that some people come to Alaska to escape, to get away from something. Uh, and then Danvers finds like a one-eyed polar bear in the cell phone on Navarro's former bed when she goes looking for her, and the cell phone includes the footage of Raymond Clark admitting to the damage Silver Sky Mining and Salal have done, and then Kavik finds his SpongeBob toothbrush, and he has to be so fucking confused, yeah, that guy. Yeah. Um, Bummed, too, I would imagine. Yeah, his girlfriend's now gone. And then we see Navarro walk out onto the ice, but she's fully dressed, so it's kind of hard to know her intentions. Very uh, Based yeah. on the final scene we see, which is that Danvers says you, she doesn't think you'll find Evangeline Navarro out there on the ice, which was a line that was used earlier for, uh, in the season. I can't remember who it was that they were talking about, but they were yeah. like, I don't think you'll find him out there on the ice. Tagok, maybe? Yeah. And then Danvers is chilling on the porch somewhere with a sick view, I would add. Yeah. And then Navarro walks up out of nowhere. Like, so... Yeah, they, well, there's two, there's two references here. They're, they're, or they're, well, first, we'll call back to the scene when Danvers and Navarro have patched things up because they both survived hypothermia. And, and she's like, if you do ever go walk out there... Come back. Come back. 
because you're my friend now. Um, and uh, and then also that the, the the investigators are like, and uh, any clue or idea about the supposed sightings of Navarro out there? And she's like, don't know what to tell you. And then Navarro is just like chilling on the porch. I don't know. So de- a, de- dead or alive, well, Navarro. I mean, they obviously want to leave us with that decision. Yes. Yeah. That either Navarro became like a nomad and still comes to visit Danvers. Right. And yes. so people have like seen her in places, right? Yeah. Uh, she got her Inupiaq name. That would make some sense. Or she fucking froze to death out there. And she's a spirit that like dwells on Danvers's porch while they drink coffee together exactly. or whatever. Yeah. So right. <laughs> either way, not incredibly fulfilling in terms of the way this whole thing unfolded. But this is in us. Nobody ever really leaves. And that was that. And... If yeah, I, the the internal investigation, by the way, is the first. It's another like season I, one reference. It's another season. Well, it's actually an all season reference, I believe, because I believe. Well, or, season three is a documentary interviewing him. Okay, but but typically yeah, maybe, somebody's maybe being maybe interviewed in on camera. Two, but definitely season one and season three, there's some type of like yes, internal affairs or documentary and stuff going on where these guys are talking or the, these people, these detectives are ta- are are recalling truthfully or otherwise something that happened in the past now i don't think i really buried the lead as far as my opinion on on the finale but this was the disaster i was hoping to avoid because (laughs) it it, look all of the things that people were complaining about all season like how the writing wasn't quite matching up Mm -hmm. how you you kept getting like just weird you were like there's just the vibe is off it's not it's not hitting correctly it feels a little choppy in terms of Mm -hmm. you know the editing and presentation or whatever I was able to to shelve all of that, and really, it was not bothering me. And then part five was so good that I was like, "Shit, I think we're onto something here. We might have a stew going." And but it took ten, fifteen minutes of this finale, which was not a full eighty minutes. I would add, no, it was it like was an hour and sixteen, sixteen minutes. Like it only took ten or fifteen minutes into this finale before I realized that this was doomed. That it was not yeah. going to hit the way I hoped it had, and that it wasn't going to turn around and be something special. So. I was super bummed, and it also, it's kind of like double-edged, the, the, the sword, because, you look, you can see why critics wanted it to be good, because mm-hmm. they were trying to do something different. It was trying to be a female-led story yep. in a series that has historically been male-dominated and that is mostly thought of in terms of season one, which is Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson. It was trying to tell a different kind of story in terms of involving, like, pollution and, and Native women and all these topics and things that are extremely important to talk about no doubt but that doesn't it's not a write-off you know well i don't have to make the story good or make sense or be fulfilling or enjoyable because it's just going to be about things that are morally sound right that doesn't that's not how it works you still got to make a good tv program you still got to deliver yeah you still got to deliver and in the end night country did not and it's as simple as that like I, I, i there are people who enjoyed it still i'm sure I'm sure there are people who enjoyed it more than me, but I was super let down by the ending. I was super bummed by the way this finale unfolded, and uh, it it I just I lost all energy like right at that moment when I realized Rose Agonow wasn't a ghost, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is this is tough. Uh, I'm curious what what you think, and I'm curious what our listeners think. Maybe it's something you could y- y'all can call in about if you're part of our Patreon and Mollus Militia tier. What's your appetite for True Detective going forward? Because I, I one like I, I think I've said this in our group text, right? But like, if you put two stars in a vehicle as operating in detectives with some type of weird, creepy case that they have to solve in some type of very distinct locale, 
Like, uh, chances are I'm in. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like it, the, the, the premise is too good for me to ever just be like, I'm, this enough is enough. But one thing that I, I would say that I hope they learned from this is to not take an existing story and say, you know what? This could make a good true detective. Because I, the, I, I, I don't think it worked. I have to believe that that's one of the reasons why this ended up feeling so all over the place with like a very specific story that it wanted to tell about women and about the, the the native people and then another story that it wanted to tell about ghosts and mythology and the spirit world and then another story that it wanted to tell about spirals and tuttles and conspiracies and like it just like the, the, it was one of the things that we were worried about halfway through the season that this this show just had too many lanes that it was driving in bit off more than it could chew yeah uh too many people too many side stories uh, and and that and I, I my, my, I'm I have to assume that part of that is that this story this concept already existed, and to use the word again they kind of shoehorned it into the true detective box, and I and and it obviously the the problem is that I don't know if they will learn the lesson because you already mentioned that this show was doing better numbers than season one did it is doing better numbers than White Lotus season two and Succession season four did which is mind boggling which are which were both phenomenal seasons of television that we each had ranked very highly on our end on our uh on the end of year list for those uh both of those shows um and, and so like you know i i i don't know if they'll learn anything cuz i think it was uh, a it, it was it, a success it was a success in those terms. commercially <laughs> Yeah, and that, look, that's part of the problem. Like, we're running out of time, so we're going to have to get further into this on patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles later in the week. But I think part of the issue that you and I have kind of foreseen for a while now is that HBO, now Max, is going to try to put out stuff that's a little more mainstream appealing. That's just good old-fashioned fun and crazy and wild and a little scary mm-hmm. and is a fun ride, but it doesn't really have a great narrative it doesn't really have this badass ending it doesn't really crush you know the way we expect an hbo premiere prestige tv show to crush yeah so maybe they're just totally okay with this but i to answer your question it will determine it will be determined by who is the showrunner who is the creative that they get in with the over the vision Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. the writer um and then who are the stars because if it's if it's another one like this where i'm like well i'm not really familiar with isa lopez and I don't know if Jodie yeah. Foster is like some huge pull for me. Then maybe not. Maybe not. I mean, likely yes, because yeah. <laughs> I do this podcast for a living. But <laughs> but if I was just an average, you know, television consumer, I'm probably done after this. What's crazy amazing to me is that again, it just speaks to how good season one was that people are still like, oh, another true detective? Yeah, I'll come back and watch. Because season two is the, the this still, still, comparing season four to season two, season two is much, much worse. It's a totally different type of show, though. Yeah. This transformed True Detective into a totally different lane, almost. Right. But while desperately clinging to all these season one references and and hat tips that, in the end, I think hurt the show way, way more than it helped it. Yeah, I, I would, I, I would actually like them for whatever comes next to go the in the opposite direction. This show did no and, more spirals and pull away from the paranormal. And focus more on the detecting, the detective yeah. of the true detective. Yeah, just get dark with it. Make it seven, but a TV show. Because, yeah, because it, like, that, that was all, you know, I have not watched season one in a couple of years, but it, it was there, but it was very much like a, like an undercurrent. Yeah. Um, And then season two was really way more about, like, the conspiracy of it all, the, the dark cabals and that type of thing. 
And then season three again, like had a little bit of it, but it was it, it, it was, was more, mostly this guy having Alzheimer's. Was, though. Yes, and it was also very referential to like a time period in the eighties where people were freaking out about kids like devil worshipping. It was yeah. like this big sensationalist thing that got blown way out of proportion on like local news channels, basically. The satanic panic. Yeah, the satanic panic. Thank you. Um, and so it was all like it was almost like on its surface, you kind of knew that it probably wasn't going all the way there because it was couched in that kind of in in that true history of, of of the 1980s but it still had the kind of creepiness and weird kind of occult vibe here we just went for ghosts we just went all the all the way ghost with it we were literally seeing tons of ghosts that ended up not really mattering that much um yeah, i don't and, know and, and so like let's just pull it the other way for next time is is that would be my hope and and just get some hard-boiled noir you know like, damn, can we reboot Perry Mason as a true detective? For real, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> Perry Mason was so good, but yeah. just nobody watches it because it doesn't have true, doesn't detective have true detective slapped on the front. That You can have that H- that idea, HBO. That's a good-ass idea. True, true detective, detective, Perry, Perry Mason. Mason. Yes. Season three. Uh, last question for you. Why did the reindeer commit mass suicide? I, it, there's got to be some tie to being out there on the ice and hearing voices and she's awake and hearing some type of call, right? And, I, I, and knowing about the pollution. I, I, I don't know. Sensing I, I, pollution. I don't, my my sense is that it's tied somehow to what Navarro goes out there and what like. I have no idea what if Navarro is not a ghostly spirit traipsing around Ennis, then I don't what I don't know what she's doing. She's a nomad. I don't know, Barrett. It's Ennis. Um, Nobody ever really leaves. <laughs> I do not know why the caribou slash reindeer all jumped off a cliff. I can't tell you. Okay, yeah. well, yeah. well, maybe we can have somebody call in on patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles with answers because clearly we don't have all of them. If you're wondering what we're watching next, we have chosen Shogun on Hulu, which how do you pronounce it? Shogun. Shogun. But I'm happy to, to switch it to Shogun if that's the way you want to roll. That's the way I'm saying it. People don't like it. I'm still going to say it that way. Shogun. It's a show for goons. It's on Hulu. It premieres goon show. February. Goon show. Exactly. February 27th on Hulu and FX. It's set in Japan in the year 1600, uh, where uh, Lord Yoshi Torinaga is fighting for his life as his enemies on the Council of Regents unite against him when a mysterious European ship is found marooned in a nearby fishing village. And that's the premise. We're pretty stoked on it, and uh, it looks like Hulu slash FX spent an ungodly amount yeah, of money on yeah. this, so they probably want it to be good. If you can come up with a good um, name for, you know, we like to twist Oysters, Clams, and Cockles, Oyster Clam Co., Oysters, Clams, and Corpsicles. If you got a good one, if you've read the book and you just already have, like, a great idea. Hit to, us. To, yeah, and I'll, I'll give you a free month of Patreon. There I will, we go. I will Venmo you $10. There we go. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. Barrett and I will be back later this week on Patreon exclusively with an ad-free helping of Oysters, Clams, and Corpsicles, the final one, and uh, with an episode driven by hotline calls from our Mollusk Militia with further questions, theories, discussion. I'm guessing there will be quite a bit of complaining and then some defending as well in the form of our hotline calls. So Can't wait to see Follow us on social media everywhere. Search Oysters, Clams, and Cockles on each social platform you'll find us. For more from me, Ross Boland, listen to the Ross Boland Podcast wherever podcasts are played or watch on YouTube.com slash at the Ross Boland Podcast. Thank you, by the way, to everybody who has kept up with our show and watched and subscribed on YouTube. Please stick around, comment on this episode, like, do all the YouTube things. We hit 10,000 views on our Part 5 recap and discussion, which was really, really cool. A uh, nice little milestone for us as we kind of delve into the YouTube world. Uh, historically, we've just been an audio podcast platform type show. 
trying to do some more YouTube stuff. So if you haven't subscribed on YouTube.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles, please go do so. Go to BowlingMedia.com slash shop to grab yourself some merch. Uh, keep up with Barrett and I on social media as well. Mr. Dudley, where can the people follow you? Yo, check me out at Barrett Dudley. Um, yeah. On the gram. On, on Instagram. I didn't say the, the platform. On the gram. Yeah, on Instagram, that's where you can find links and all that type of stuff to anything else that I'm putting out there. Also, the man is getting married this weekend, so right. sh- shoot him a congratulatory yeah. DM and follow to keep up with his uh, that's right. wedding shenanigans. That's I'm at WRBolin on Instagram and Twitter. Until next time, I'm just going to show up, do my job every day like I always do, because what else is there? Remember, you clean. You clean good. (laughs) 